0: And it's something to do with this kind of flow. And then you also have the opposite where you have a cue where they want the music to like properly punch or properly stick out. And there's some kind of like magic in it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. It makes me feel something.
1: Hello, my name is Poonam and welcome to Crew Chats Podcast, where I speak to the people that were behind the scenes in the film, TV and theatre industry. Today's guest is music editor Claire Batterton. After having completed a music degree at the University of Liverpool and a master's in the same at Oxford University, Claire knew she wanted to be a music editor. It was with this intention that Claire got in touch with music editor Lawrence Lovegreed and had the opportunity to learn from him whilst shadowing before going on to become a freelance music editor. Claire has worked on projects such as Netflix' Top Boy, Made in Italy, His Dark Materials and the upcoming The Witcher prequel, The Witcher Blood Origin to name a few. Hi Claire. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, Now, you're a music editor and Mm -hmm. what does that involve for you?
0: Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Big question. It is, yeah. Um, I was thinking about it actually, and I think I can sort of break it down into a few sections as Mm. to how we work. So, generally, music editors work in post production. So, I think you work in production or pre production
1: yeah we work in pre-production I guess and throughout production yeah. yeah
0: so I work in post so it's sort of splits into you can work on temp music which is as it sounds uh, temporary music Um, you can work in the edit so once you're with a composer and you're working with them and the editors and directors and that's like the final music that will go into it or you can work on things like I'm doing on Bridgerton which is production music so that's like a lot less creative but you're sort of editing music for them to dance to Ah. setting up the music and that's sort of also similar with like musicals so that's production music or pre-production where you'd work on the recording but I've never done that with a musical so yeah it's sort of split into those kinds of things
1: Ah, that's interesting and what is actually the the kind of technical I mean I'm I'm a complete lay person so I'm gonna ask <laughs> this very ignorant questions but
0: um what is the actual technical process of editing so basically I will get the picture generally this is generally this is the most common thing I'll get the picture and um I will essentially work on the music cues uh, cue by cue based on Meetings we've had with the directors or the editors, or the showrunners and the composer. And I'm essentially a go-between between the composer and production. And I basically use Pro Tools, which is an e- like the industry standards uh, editing software. And I basically just work cue by cue, figuring out how it needs to be fully edited for the final production and the final thing.
1: Okay. And when you say cue, what do you mean?
0: <clears throat> so every time you hear a music... Uh, a piece of music that's a cue. So uh, it's like in ET when ET flies in the <laughs> bike, that's a music cue. It's come in and then it goes out, you know, it comes in and out the music.
1: And again, uh, forgive me for my very like basic questions, but um <laughs> who decides those cues?
0: Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess generally speaking, the editors do. So when you're editing a show, you've got all, I think they're called rushes. Yeah. I think, yeah and they will work with an assistant editor or a second assistant third assistant editor by the time it gets to the editor the main one they will have a fairly rough edit of the uh, tv show for instance and they will just decide between them and the director or the showrunner or the producer depending who it is that's like a creative person in it who's like on site where they think music needs to be Mm -hmm. and then if I think it goes to a lot of people, but if I think, for example, do you know what we don't really need music here? Like, why, why is this here? Sometimes I will say, why don't we try it without music? Which sounds counterproductive for my job, but sometimes it works so much better. So it's it's kind of a mixture of editors, directors, showrunners, producers, and composers as well. They're like, maybe we could put a bit of music here, and it kind of goes through a quite organic process and then you end up with this tv show that's like generally got 20 music cues or something um I guess that
1: lends nicely onto another question which is so how do you begin what's the process from beginning to end
0: basically so if I take top boy for as an example I I get onto it during editing so basically um I work when the picture's locked and so that's what people will see and so then I well sometimes I work (laughs) pre-lock it's like different but with, so with Top Boy I'm generally working when it's locked and so the music that's in there will be temporary music and generally speaking the temporary music that's in there will will try and use Brian who's the composer Brian Eno Um, we'll try and use his music both past music from Top Boy or new music that he's produced for this season of Top Boy so I will get a big picture like uh, the, the show with uh, say 15 music users in this one episode and I will get the editors very rough very rough edits of what they want the music to roughly sound like mm-hmm. and then I will work on that based on something called a spotting session so a spotting session is when you have it's a, generally you as me as a music editor sometimes a composer but probably not in this case Brian is is um, he's so busy and so amazing he's Um, And then like a music supervisor and the director or the editor or whomever it is that you're working with the production. So we'll sit down and have a meeting called a spotting session. We'll go through every single cue. They will tell me what it is they want to, what kind of vibe they want, what kind of thing they want the music from. And we will have to interpret that. And I will have to go into my edit, into my studio and basically take those notes And make each cue work for what it is they want. And it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And even when you get into the final mix, which is when you're in the studio finally doing everything, things can change.
1: And then you have to sort of start again. Not start again, but kind of go back. Yeah.
0: I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes like, do you know what? We don't like this song anymore. (laughs) Can you change it? And Abby will have to go... Right okay I've got these options and then it has to go through one person and another person it's, and then Netflix has to sign it off and then it's like oh Abby has an an immense amount of emails probably to go through all the time
1: <laughs> Abby's a music supervisor which I've spoken to yes in, yeah in another episode um so you've mentioned that obviously and I have kind of based on my conversation I guess with Abby as well is that um, music kind of is the the sort of the rights and the decisions about the kind of music mm-hmm. kind of goes through I guess her that legal sort of aspect of it and also I guess the sourcing of it as well yes. goes through her and are you have you got to say I guess because also you're you've got a creative um mm. ear I guess in this case well, I'm about to say I but it's not necessarily about what you think will sound good so then when you're making if you think there's another piece of music, I think, but are you looking at a library of pre-approved music or
0: is it that you can kind
1: of go off and say, actually, I think this, but you haven't got the rights for or whatever. Can we get the rights for it?
0: So basically, Abby and I have fairly different roles within this because Abby as the music supervisor, generally music supervisors will work with um, something called source tracks which are tracks that have already been, they're like songs, so like a Drake song or what a Nicki Minaj song or something. I as a music editor tend to work creatively with the score, so composed music and so for Top Boy, Brian has composed so far probably like maybe another hundred tracks. Which are say a minute, two minutes. Yeah, he's so prolific. Wow. It's incredible. He he just like will wake up one day and compose an immense amount of music. I don't, he's he's amazing, which is great for me because I have a lot to draw from. And then Abby is as a music supervisor is the one who works with the source tracks. Um so I I don't have any real sort of creative say in that because generally with source tracks, it's the editor and director and Abby. And you know, the music supervisors who will tend to deal with that, which I'm grateful for because when it comes to like all the legal stuff, I am, um, it just goes whew, right over my head. <laughs> I'm so grateful for someone like Abby and also Ed and Toby, who are in the Top Boy show. As music supervisors, I'm so grateful for them because I wouldn't know where to begin. I'm much more comfortable with score school
1: um just yeah. about just about the score, actually so um just to clarify just in case I've misunderstood but um so you're dealing with the score, and um with in terms of when you're editing it onto a show mm-hmm. editing onto a show for a show yeah yeah onto it yeah onto, onto a show. the picture onto yeah. the picture I sound like I'm down with the lingo by <laughs> <that>. um, <laughs> um do you, you when you're editing that onto it are you also then sort of making sure that, say, sourced music as well sits mm-hmm. well alongside oh, yes. the composed yeah. music as well within that score, As score is not the right, sorry, Yeah, that musical transitions.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, no, no, you, you, you are using the right lingo, I think. Okay. <laughs> you're, you sound like you know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> no, um, no, definitely. So if there's any music, I will handle it in the sense of two picture. So a music supervisor will give me they're like oh we like this track could you pop it in into this scene and sometimes there'll even be an edit to do like can you start it here or can you make it sort of finish here or you know and I have to fit it in and edit it in and sometimes the track will be used and it's supposed to sound as if it's in a shop so I will have to use something EQ it or you know edit it so that it doesn't sound like the final mixed version of the song that we will hear on our iPod Uh has to sound as if it's coming from a tinny you know tiny little speaker in a shop I mean generally for the final final product that will be the mixer that will the re-recording mixer that will finally make it sound better than I can that's so interesting yeah so music you know I handle all the music to the picture but it goes through a lot of people before me or like there's lots of decisions to make and so yeah
1: that's so interesting I never kind of I, you know it sounds really silly but I would have just been
0: like yeah they're playing it
1: on a radio in the scene yeah, that's like... yeah.
0: no scenes are always silent it's like if it's in a club it's I would hate to watch the raw footage of like a club scene where people are just just dancing Is and all that... out of time with each other because nobody does music on set really there's never. Yeah. A- Oh, my days. I mean, I think sometimes it's very, very quiet music. But so there's something called ADR, which I think is called, it's like additional dialogue replacement, I think is what it's called. And that will be that that happens very often with all shows. And um I don't have anything to do with access dialogue, but if they've recorded a scene and say they're in a club and there's too much shuffling of people's feet, or maybe they've got a small a, a very quiet music going on just so that people can feel something, they'll have to re-record the dialogue because it's not clean enough. Uh, do you know what I mean? So it's, like, yeah. oh, it's just but to watch that raw footage. It's- <laughs> That is
1: intre- do you know what I, I mean even though i guess i have been on a set i've just always
0: assumed it's, <laughs> they're playing it that's fine uh, but i mean for something like bridge so i've i worked on the music for that where i had to prepare pieces of music for them to dance to the actors so they will play music for stuff like that because when it's a regency era dance there's no talking anyway really mm. or they can they can film it in a way where they're not listening to the music when they're recording the dialogue but then they're listening to the music when they're dancing because it has to be perfectly in time so there will be music on set in that sense yeah <laughs> no that seems that is really fascinating
1: I actually should have asked you this earlier because we then went on to talk about it if you could just describe what is a score versus spoke I'm, I wrote spoken music that's not the correct term. <laughs> <laughs> music with words
0: a song yeah a yeah song. yeah I guess well score is original and specific to the project So it is created specifically for the narrative, for what they want, whereas songs could be something that was composed 30 years ago or written five years ago or recently, but it's not. It's totally on its own and it can be released into the public as a a song. Uh, but the score is always very specific.
1: And when I think of score, I think of instrumental music. But I mm-hmm. actually, if, if a song has been written with words, like a sung piece for a production, can, is that also counted as part of the score?
0: Or yeah, is that- I guess so. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. So I think famously that song, Mrs. Robinson, was something that song was written for the film, I think. Uh, I, th- I think that might be a piece of trivia that's correct. I'm not 10% sure, but I think it's The Graduate. And then obviously you have musicals as well. They're all the score, but yeah, if you have so The Witcher, the TV show The Witcher, there's that that sort of narrative song that the bard would sing. Toss a coin into your Witcher. That was written into the narrative, into the film, into the into the TV show. Sorry, um, but that would be score, yeah. But oh. I'm pretty sure that was released on Spotify or something as a as a song. And actually you mentioned
1: it obviously working with a composer do you have to have quite a close relationship with the composer how important is that
0: oh it's very important very I mean I was really lucky with Brian he is lovely and he's super successful and famous and everyone everyone was saying to me oh you know don't worry he's really nice I was like okay i I don't know I just didn't google him I was like I'm not going to google him and figure anything out I'm just going to go and luckily he's so nice and we got on really well so it is very important to have a close relationship because also there are times when something just isn't working or something isn't right and you have to be able to talk about that kind of thing and say without any in a non-condescending way or anything like that you're just sort of like this isn't working and Brian is so luckily so open to stuff like that you know he's just really lovely oh um, I think every composer I've worked with has been lovely never worked with a horrible person <laughs> I hope that continues for you
1: yeah. I'm sure it will most people yeah, are I aren't so. horrible I think
0: <laughs> no because they're just passionate like yeah. composers they just want generally they want to do a good job and they also are as passionate as I am I think you know you can't really do that job without being really into it yeah yeah Yeah. into
1: what you're doing Um, (laughs) you mentioned the score and you sort of I think you kind of uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong but you said that you quite enjoy that aspect of the the score the scoring Mm -hmm. part of it what is it about having a score on a tv show or on a Mm. film which is important and and why do you think it evokes what it does when someone's watching and listening to
0: it oh my gosh that's like my university essays oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) no I like it a lot I haven't thought about it for many years (laughs) I mean, it's there's a real, to get, not to get too academic about it, but there is a huge historical importance with music and drama. So there's a very famous study or essay or whatever it was, book that was written about Citizen Kane, the, the film Citizen Kane. and I think the opening scene of Citizen Kane is, it's, it's really, really slow. And it's basically a shot of the house, I think, and it slowly zooms in to the window. Yes. Yes. And basically, this, um, I think it might have been Leonard Bernstein. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But, and basically, Leonard Bernstein did a, a, a sort of experiment with his students and he said, "Let oh no, let's watch it with music first. And they watched it and it was fine. Then they said, let's watch it without music. And everyone was just like checking their watches. Oh my God, so boring. Because the music, just didn't made time essentially speed up or you didn't notice time because the music was there that's one example historically speaking you've got opera which is music and drama together even plays when they're put on will sometimes have musical interludes not always but sometimes the music is essentially a narrative tool it can be a narrative tool it can also be comfort wise so when silent films were created the people when they were watching it were really freaked out because. They just saw ghostly images. They've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, true. The mu- yeah, so music was used to placate them, basically, like to make them feel more comfortable because there was no there was no dialogue. They were just watching these ghosts on screen. It, it, basically, if you watched a film without music, I just think it would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for example, you know uh, No Country for Old Men? Yeah. That famously has barely any music in it. but it works yeah but it works for that film as a narrative tool the lack of music is a narrative tool to make the scene to make the scenes feel even more tense because you're you're made to feel uncomfortable when you don't have music to comfort you Mm.
1: like you've said I mean I wouldn't have ever thought about it historically there's obviously a Mm -hmm. a sort of a logical I guess a logical reason how it started off and Mm -hmm. then it's also it's been used as a tool to, like you say, push a story forward. But as a viewer, it just does all sorts of, like I, I guess I said, it would be an interesting exercise, like you mentioned, to just listen, watch something without any music. Because <laughs> I wonder if we, we would, I reckon you would feel, like you say, differently about what you're watching. Oh, yeah. It's true.
0: But also, if you if you change the music from a scene, so if you have you seen. Um... The film Always Be My Maybe, I think it's on Netflix. Yes, yes. Ali Wong. Have you seen the scenes on YouTube where they put different music to Keanu Reeves entering the restaurant? No. There's like this running joke that any song you put on that scene, he will make it work because he's so (laughs) cool. (laughs) And people will put like just random stuff on but it will completely change the vibe of the scene it'll still work because it's Keanu Reeves and people as a joke did it but I'm like no that's what I do as a job (laughs) we literally Abby will put different songs onto a scene and it will completely change the vibe you know yeah
1: actually and that that kind of lends nicely onto another question is how do you know if it's the right piece of music whether it's source music or composed music
0: goes through a lot of people it is essentially it is the creative so in british things generally we have directors and we have editors and obviously producers in an american show it's something called a showrunner Mm. but it's essentially the creative boss who will kind of decide whether something's right but sometimes if we really like something we will fight for it or diplomatically fight for it Mm. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's more of a consensus. Like, And also at the end of the day, Brian has a big part in it because he creates the music. And then I have a fairly creative part in it, particularly with Brian, because he doesn't compose to picture. He doesn't watch the picture.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: It is, it is very interesting. And, and so I have not free reign at all, but I have a fairly creative part in interpreting the director or the editor's notes to make the music work and then Abby will also have a say she'll be like oh out of those three edits that you've done we kind of like two and three let's send those on and see which ones they like oh, so it's I a see. mixture of people so you're
1: doing uh various versions as well sort of to see
0: often yeah yeah often and if you do temporary music just what I mentioned at the start you can do about <laughs> 15 or 20 music edits for one scene wow yeah
1: how long does it take for you to say for I mean we'll stick with the top boy oh yeah because we've started off with it say for an episode I think an episode's an hour or any tv show that's maybe Mm -hmm. an hour Mm -hmm. long how long are you sort of spending kind of editing the music for an episode on average if you can say average
0: yeah on average I don't really know probably probably like a full week or something to do a very rough edit of various cues it's got to take yeah a few a few it takes probably a month per episode or something to get it to its final final stage maybe three three weeks and so for top boy it's this season is eight episodes I'll probably be working on it for about six six months seven months wow S- six months yeah
1: that's interesting because it's already gone through a bunch of people and it'll probably go through a bunch of people after oh, yeah. you as well that's such,
0: yeah.
1: such a process isn't it and it's a process it you is. just don't
0: think about people don't think about it they just see the final product and not only that it's also as you do um props and costumes and stuff people will look at something and they won't realize that you will have had a hand in the most random of objects that <laughs> yes. you've put a real amount of thought into and it has probably made a huge difference to the scene <laughs> but people yeah. don't necessarily realize that
1: it's on yeah it goes unnoticed but I think actually with what you do with the mute I mean with everything, I think, obviously, there's usually that things are there to, to make a statement in some way or another. But with mm-hmm. music, I feel like it's such a huge, it's so massive, actually, because mm-hmm. now I think about it. The, I mean, I'm watching something like a show on Netflix at the minute. And um, this is a side note, but I always have the uh, subtitles on, even if it's something I'm watching in English language. Mm mm-hmm um and it's interesting to see how they caption the music when it's oh, yeah. sort of it'll be like rising piano or yes, thoughtful yeah, yeah. piano music yes, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that and yeah. I always think that's really interesting because <laughs> obviously someone's made a decision like whoever's doing the subtitles has thought that this is this but obviously before that there's mm-hmm. been the likes of you or a music supervisor and a composer and, a, and you know various people mm-hmm. sort of making that judgment to say yeah we want like thoughtful
0: piano music yes, in this scene Do you yeah. know <laughs> Or oh, they might not have wanted that, <laughs> but that's how somebody's taken it. <laughs> yeah, that's true as well. That's what they get. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it goes through an immense amount of people and it gets signed off by so many people. Yeah. So how did you get into what you do? It's <laughs> Well, so basically I studied music at Liverpool University. I did a very sort of, I suppose, when I say academic, I mean written word rather than any computery stuff, you know. I did very much classical, because I've studied the violin since I was seven. Wow. So, yeah, so very classical. Um, And I did my undergrad at Liverpool. And then I did a master's at Oxford University. Wow. And yeah, again, very academic and very intense. But so then I, I finished my master's and I had four years of very, very intense study. And I moved to London because that's where the business is, to at least to start a lot of the time. And I got a job as in a music charity, which I really hated, I have to say. But it it, it it wasn't the charity I hated or the people I hated, it was just the the role. I don't don't like a nine to five having to go into an office. It really doesn't suit me. I much prefer the freelance life and working alone in a studio. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, talking to people via email and calls and stuff like that. I much prefer that. Anyway, so I, I decided I got really, really down and just not happy. And my mum was like, just try to get into the industry that you want to, to, to get into. Just do it. And I was like, OK. So then I became a runner. Production In post-production, you're very much a dog's body. You're making cups of teas and coffee. You uh, take out the rubbish, clean bathrooms you will go run get go and get lunch for people it's it's like it's not fun it doesn't make you feel good but if you want to be a sound editor or a mixer or a grade color grader all these post-production jobs that have actual um contracted work it's great because you get into a studio and you can just absorb everything and you can make yourself known to these people and you can basically learn from them. Unfortunately with music, there are no jobs like that. It's almost exclusively freelance. And um, I found somebody who did the job I wanted to do. His name's Lawrence. And I just messaged him, him on LinkedIn. I said, can I meet you and just talk to you about the job? And basically I shadowed him for a year or longer actually I think and he taught me everything so I quit my job as a runner after two and a half months and just basically didn't earn anything for at least a year wow yeah so I was lucky enough to be perfectly honest with you to have parents who could support me and because they I guess believed in it (laughs) believed in me and you know not everyone can do that I realize and some people have to work jobs as a bartender or something to try and live in London it's very very expensive yeah and I basically learned everything that I I learned a lot from him because I had never used Pro Tools before which is the software I learned everything on the job from him I learned all about the language that people use what AAF means and what WAVs and all this all this kind of thing I learned it all from him and eventually I had to go off on my own and I just did and then it was just at the time it feels really stressful because you're like what's next what's next what's next but when I look back at it I'm like oh yeah that led to that which led to that which led to that you know it makes sense when you look back at the time it was totally chaotic but when I think about now it makes sense.
1: You mentioned it obviously at the time it was probably quite stressful for you Mm -hmm. um did you at any point kind of question not doing something else Or
0: yes. no I I wouldn't have been happy doing anything else it was a case of can I last can my parents last can can I do it and I was just I guess lucky enough or no I don't think I could have done anything else eventually I probably if I needed to I would have just got a job something that meant I could work in the day with Lawrence and then afford it but I, I also think I realized I was good at it you know at the end not to toot my own horn but no I'm really I'm very good at my job and I absolutely adore it so there was no choice for me to just make it work
1: I think that's great passionate
0: clearly very passionate about what you do (laughs) (laughs) um
1: how when you sort of left working with Lawrence um Mm. how did you find then going on to find work as a I guess then you were sort of freelancing right
0: um basically when I left working with Lawrence I had worked on a he, he had he had got me a few gigs as a music editor with him. So I had some credits under my... belt. Okay, and I essentially just spent, I think, three months without work, just emailing, using my contacts as much as I could to try and persuade somebody <laughs> to give me a job. And I ended up with a show called Curfew with Sean Bean in it. It, it only got one series and I, I worked on temp music again. So I basically, when it was editing... I was working on the music just to make the scenes work before a composer got on. I was, I could use any music I wanted from any TV show to make the scenes work. And I did that. I basically convinced the director <laughs> to take me on. Wow. And he, he did. And I'd li- he, one of the questions he asked me was, you've not done very much. Why should I trust you? <laughs> And I was just sort of like, well, I don't know, I'm really good. Just give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out really well. And from then it's word of mouth and, oh, you worked with Calm. He said you were good, blah, blah, blah. And then it just goes on from then. Yeah. Um,
1: sort of, I mean, I know, I know we touched upon this slightly earlier, but in an isolated situation for you, um, <laughs> when do you know when you're working on something, when do you know that, that this piece is the right fit? For this what is it that happened I mean I'm also appreciate it's mm. something that can sometimes be hard to articulate because it's a creative yeah. thing um but if you if there's anything that you feel like you know makes you know if that makes sense
0: so if I use an example from series three of top boy or or one of top boy on Netflix now there was a scene where I can't remember exactly what happened but there was a transition within it so it went from one scene to sort of stock sort of b-roll of um, London like a train going past and like a house and then it went into another scene so we had to have a piece of music that linked the end of one scene through the b-roll into another scene and then Mm. fade out that was the vibe and the direct the editors had put on I think three of Brian's tracks or four something like that and they didn't work musically it was totally disjointed and it was really jarring to, to look at so I basically they were like we like these tracks so they were like, just just make it work. So I was like, right. So I music editing magic on it, you know, changed the keys or shifted the pitch, changed, edited bits and just figured it out to make these four three or four pieces work as one. So that was the sort of raw editing that I had to do without any any look at the picture. I was like, I have to make these tracks work. so I don't even look at the picture in this case. Then I put it onto the picture and I shifted in and edited it so that it worked with the picture. And the only way I can describe it is like a flow. Hmm. There's just some kind of like otherworldly or, or tr- it, it kind of transcends where it sounds so lame. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, there's some kind of flow where all of a sudden this scene just works. And it's like, oh, I, I barely noticed the jarring picture changes or something or the time is no longer. And we've gone from this scene to that scene. And oh, we're here now. And the music fades out and you don't don't notice that. And it's something to do with this kind of flow. And then you also have the opposite where you have some a piece, a cue where they want the music to like properly punch or properly stick out. And there's some kind of like magic in it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. It makes me feel something. I don't know if that makes any sense no it doesn't make sense <laughs> it's
1: just a feeling and actually I've asked this question mm-hmm. to other people and they've kind of sort of said something similar it is a feeling and you can't really articulate yeah. it in this in the way that it just works you sort of mentioned uh research and uh, what kind of research do you do for your job or does it require research in the same way
0: the kind yeah of conventional
1: way you think mm-hmm. of research
0: it does with regard to temp music in particular or meetings four jobs in particular you know you want to kind of research the director or the composer they've chosen but with regard to temp music you will have a a, like a spotting session a meeting with whomever you're working with and they will go we like John Williams we like um I don't know how you say her name Hilda uh no that's not how you say it she's a composer she's amazing she composed for the Joker um oh my days the music on that Yeah. yeah it's epic I'd, oh, it's so brilliant so they'll say a few composers that they like and we want this kind of vibe run with it and that's when the research comes in and I will have a Spotify my Spotify or whatever YouTube open and I will just listen to music after music after music and I will say oh this is kind of the vibe this is the vibe and I will curate a playlist essentially of hundreds and hundreds of tracks or even, you know, films. They like this film, the music for this film, they might even know might not even know who the composer is. And I will just compile a huge amount of music to draw from in order to temp the the show up or the the project up. Oh. So that's that's the kind of research that I would do um
1: where does sound design sit in the process of what you do do you have to interact with that kind of that sound design aspect of things going on like I know you mentioned the radio Mm -hmm. um, music playing in the background
0: um I don't know if it's come into it yet I mean on curfew when I was temping because that was sort of a zombie slight horror there were elements where the director was sort of like I want to play with the silence and with the beeping of the alarm or something so sometimes you can have scenes or cues where the sound design does come in but it's a case of working around the sound design and and making the music work in that way but the sound editors and dialogue editors and all that are they do their own work that is amazing I'm trying to think if I've I guess also the terror some of that was quite in- integrated but I'd love to work more like that definitely because it is really interesting when you can have a really cohesive sound I hate the word I hate the phrase sound world but it kind of works in this sense you know this it is quite cool to work but I've not done it too much but I would love to
1: yeah I'm always I'm really it's a good question it'd be quite fascinating it doesn't obviously you are all working together but you're also working quite separately even though to someone watching an, a lay person like me to me it's all like not one person's done it but to like it's yeah. one thing that's gone through throughout well I like, do you know done it, well
0: I think <laughs> yeah. well yeah no you're right yeah, um, yeah it's just
1: interesting that you all sort of work kind of separately and then it all comes together it's really fascinating
0: well that's also um something called a uh, someone called a re-recording mixer okay. so that's where basically you have music dialogue and sound effects they're the three main sound things and you get into the final mix is what it's called which is what it sounds like it's the final (laughs) final mix of the whole thing and usually you'll have a music editor dialogue editor sound editor and a re-recording mixer yeah and they are the ones that mix everything so they're the ones that literally mix it in terms of volume and they do an incredible amount of work. I don't, I can't even get my mind around it sometimes, but they will sometimes have it, quite often have a creative role in having the music, the sound effects and the dialogue all play together as well sometimes, you know, because there'll be times when, you know, if if someone gets disorientated in a film or a show and the sound will move as if you're underwater, yeah. is what it will sound like that's all them they do that quite often they will do the finished product mm-hmm. and I remember on the terror there was a scene I think they were underwater or something and it was icy water and they went into like this kind of gurgling kind of like I say underwater sound and you all ought- narratively got into their head and we were playing with having the music f- filter in and then come louder and louder and then some sound effects and that is like a re recording mixer's dream where they can really play with the elements to create quite a uncomfortable or whatever situation you want oh, we we'll yeah. get that's when we all get super nerdy and we're like you know oh let's push this and we're all working and then we see the scene and it's really cool and um, oh. but that's like a re-recording mixers kind of dream I think or, or role definitely like I said earlier I think it's kind of crazy that this
1: all this evolved in something yeah with all these people involved it's just blows my mind slightly. I'm gonna look at I'm gonna listen to things very differently now. (laughs) That brings me on to my final question, which is what are your three-to-watch recommendations?
0: So I've gone for things I've watched recently Mm -hmm. rather than like my all-time favorites because I think that's just too hard to pick. (laughs) Um so recently I watched Ted Lasso. It's so funny. It's so funny. I described it as a British comedy with like an American heart little bit of an American heart you know but the comedy is so British it's British writers I think it, ah, okay it was created by Americans but the right they based it's all based in the UK and it's got these two British writers and one of them stars in it and he's absolutely hilarious so Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. 100% it's like check. my top one to recommend right now it's amazing you ah, should check that out the other one is um Final Space <laughs>
1: <I've never laughs> which
0: is like it's a Netflix a animated show but it's for adults and it's really funny um, oh. and also the music is epic it's it's animated so they can go a bit more wild with the music it's just glorious the music and then finally is another <laughs> it's another animated one actually it's a new animated film it's actually I think it is a kids film but it's got some like things that kind of go over kids heads it's yeah. called I think it's the Mitchells versus the machines or something like that Mitchell's
1: versus the
0: machines. and that's a uh, but it's, it's just quite cool. I don't really know, like they have, it's an animated film, but they have some like live action people, you know, like it's almost like a YouTube video sometimes the way it's edited, you know, the way it, it'll randomly have like a a meme put into it as part of the story and it's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.
1: Ah, sounds really yeah. interesting a bit a bit eclectic but <laughs> that's my three no I like it it's a good little mix <laughs> that you got going well thank you Claire for your recommendations and thank you so much for coming on the podcast really interesting Aww. speaking to you thank you for having me <laughs> thank, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Claire and if you get a moment could you please like follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the crew chats podcast on Instagram thank you